book one chapters one and two of a hero of our time by mikhail yurovich lermontov translated by j h wisdom and mar murray this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine book one bella chapter one i was travelling post from tiflis all the luggage i had in my cart consisted of one small portmanteau half filled with travelling notes on georgia of these the greater part has been lost fortunately for you but the portmanteau itself and the rest of its contents have remained intact fortunately for me as i entered the koishar valley the sun was disappearing behind the snow-clad ridge of the mountains in order to accomplish the ascent of mount koishar by nightfall my driver an ossete urged on the horses indefatigably singing zealously the while at the top of his voice what a glorious place that valley is on every hand are inaccessible mountains steep yellow slopes scored by water channels and reddish rocks draped with green ivy and crowned with clusters of plane trees yonder at an immense height is the golden fringe of the snow down below rolls the river aragva which after bursting noisily forth from the dark and misty depths of the gorge with an unnamed stream clasped in its embrace stretches out like a thread of silver its waters glistening like a snake with flashing scales arrived at the foot of mount koishar we stopped at a dukhan about a score of georgians and mountaineers were gathered there in a noisy crowd and close by a caravan of camels had halted for the night i was obliged to hire oxen to drag my cart up that accursed mountain as it was now autumn and the roads were slippery with ice besides the mountain is about two versts in length there was no help for it so i hired six oxen and a few ossetes one of the latter shouldered my portmanteau and the rest shouting almost with one voice proceeded to help the oxen following mine there came another cart which i was surprised to see four oxen pulling with the greatest ease notwithstanding that it was loaded to the top behind it walked the owner smoking a little silver-mounted kabardian pipe he was wearing a shaggy circassian cap and an officer's overcoat without epaulettes and he seemed to be about fifty years of age the swarthiness of his complexion showed that his face had long been acquainted with transcaucasian suns and the premature greyness of his moustache was out of keeping with his firm gait and robust appearance i went up to him and saluted he silently returned my greeting and emitted an immense cloud of smoke we are fellow-travellers it appears again he bowed silently i suppose you are going to stavropol yes sir exactly with government things can you tell me how it is that that heavily laden cart of yours is being drawn without any difficulty by four oxen whilst six cattle are scarcely able to move mine empty though it is and with all those ossetes helping he smiled slyly and threw me in a meaning glance you have not been in the caucasus long i should say about a year i answered he smiled a second time well just so sir he answered they're terrible beasts these asiatics you think that all that shouting means that they are helping the oxen why the devil alone can make out what it is they do shout the oxen understand though and if you were to yoke as many as twenty they still wouldn't budge so long as the ossetes shouted in that way of theirs awful scoundrels 
but what can you make of them they love extorting money from people who happen to be travelling through here the rogues have been spoiled you wait and see they will get a tip out of you as well as their hire i know them of old they can't get round me you've been serving here a long time yes i was here under alexey petrovitch he answered assuming an air of dignity i was a sub-lieutenant when he came to the line and i was promoted twice during his command on account of actions against the mountaineers and now now i'm in the third battalion of the line and you yourself i told him with this the conversation ended and we continued to walk in silence side by side on the summit of the mountain we found snow the sun set and as usually is the case in the south night followed upon the day without any interval of twilight thanks however to the sheen of the snow we were able easily to distinguish the road which still went up the mountainside though not so steeply as before i ordered the ossetes to put my portmanteau into the cart and to replace the oxen by horses then for the last time i gazed down upon the valley but the thick mist which had gushed in billows from the gorges veiled it completely and not a single sound now floated up to our ears from below the ossetes surrounded me clamorously and demanded tips but the staff captain shouted so menacingly at them that they dispersed in a moment what a people they are he said they don't even know the russian for bread but they have mastered the phrase officer give us a tip in my opinion the very tartars are better they are no drunkards anyhow we were now within a verst or so of the station around us all was still so still indeed that it was possible to follow the flight of a gnat by the buzzing of its wings on our left loomed the gorge deep and black behind it and in front of us rose the dark blue summits of the mountains all trenched with furrows and covered with layers of snow and standing out against the pale horizon which still retained the last reflections of the evening glow the stars twinkled out in the dark sky and in some strange way it seemed to me that they were much higher than in our own north country on both sides of the road bare black rocks jutted out here and there shrubs peeped forth from under the snow but not a single withered leaf stirred and amid that dead sleep of nature it was cheering to hear the snorting of the three tired post-horses and the irregular tinkling of the russian bell we will have glorious weather to-morrow i said the staff captain answered not a word but pointed with his finger to a lofty mountain which rose directly opposite us what is it i asked mount gut well what then don't you see how it is smoking true enough smoke was rising from mount gut over its sides gentle cloud currents were creeping and on the summit rested one cloud of such dense blackness that it appeared like a blot upon the dark sky by this time we were able to make out the post station and the roofs of the huts surrounding it the welcoming lights were twinkling before us when suddenly a damp and chilly wind arose the gorge rumbled and a drizzling rain fell i had scarcely time to throw my felt cloak round me when down came the snow i looked at the staff captain with profound respect we shall have to pass the night here he said vexation in his tone there's no crossing the mountains in such a blizzard i say have there been any avalanches on mount krestov he inquired of the driver no sir the ossete answered but there are a great many threatening to fall a great many owing to the lack of a traveller's room in the station we were assigned a night's lodging in a smoky hut 
i invited my fellow-traveller to drink a tumbler of tea with me as i had brought my cast-iron teapot my only solace during my travels in the caucasus one side of the hut was stuck against the cliff and three wet and slippery steps led up to the door i groped my way in and stumbled up against a cow with these people the cow-house supplies the place of a servant's room i did not know which way to turn sheep were bleeding on the one hand and a dog growling on the other fortunately however i perceived on one side a faint glimmer of light and by its aid i was able to find another opening by way of a door and here a by no means uninteresting picture was revealed the wide hut the roof of which rested on two smoke-grimed pillars was full of people in the centre of the floor a small fire was crackling and the smoke driven back by the wind from an opening in the roof was spreading around in so thick a shroud that for a long time i was unable to see about me seated by the fire were two old women a number of children and a lank georgian all of them in tatters there was no help for it we took refuge by the fire and lighted our pipes and soon the teapot was singing invitingly wretched people these i said to the staff captain indicating our dirty hosts who were silently gazing at us in a kind of torpor and an utterly stupid people too he replied would you believe it they are absolutely ignorant and incapable of the slightest civilization why even our kabardians or chechens robbers and ragamuffins though they be are regular daredevils for all that whereas these others have no liking for arms and you'll never see a decent dagger on one of them ossetes all over you've been a long time in the chechen's country yes i was quartered there for about ten years along with my company in a fortress near kamenyi brod do you know the place i have heard the name i can tell you my boy we had quite enough of those daredevil chechens at the present time thank goodness things are quieter but in the old days you had only to put a hundred paces between you and the rampart and wherever you went you would be sure to find a shaggy devil lurking in wait for you you had just to let your thoughts wander and at any moment a lasso would be around your neck or a bullet in the back of your head brave fellows though you used to have many an adventure i dare say i said spurred by curiosity oh, of course many a one hereupon he began to tug at his left moustache let his head sink on to his breast and became lost in thought i had a very great mind to extract some little anecdote out of him a desire natural to all who travel and make notes meanwhile tea was ready i took two travelling tumblers out of my portmanteau and filling one of them set it before the staff captain he sipped his tea and said as if speaking to himself yes many a one this exclamation gave me great hopes your old caucasian officer loves i know to talk and yarn a bit he so rarely succeeds in getting a chance to do so it may be his fate to be quartered five years or so with his company in some out-of-the-way place and during the whole of that time he will not hear good morning from a soul because the sergeant says good health and indeed he would have good cause to wax loquacious with the wild and interesting people all around him danger to be faced every day and many a marvellous incident happening it is in circumstances like this that we involuntarily complain that so few of our countrymen take notes would you care to put some rum in your tea i said to my companion i have some white rum with me from tiflis and the weather is cold now no thank you sir i don't drink really just so i have sworn off drinking 
once you know when i was a sub-lieutenant some of us had a drop too much that very night there was an alarm and out we went to the front half seas over we did catch it i can tell you when alexey petrovitch came to hear about us heaven save us what a rage he was in he was within an ace of having us court-martialled that's just how things happen you might easily spend a whole year without seeing a soul but just go and have a drop and you're a lost man on hearing this i almost lost hope take the circassians now he continued once let them drink their fill of booza at a wedding or a funeral and out will come their knives on one occasion i had some difficulty in getting away with a whole skin and yet it was at the house of a friendly prince where i was a guest that the affair happened how was that i asked here i'll tell you he filled his pipe drew in the smoke and began his story chapter two you see sir said the staff captain i was quartered at the time with a company in a fortress beyond the terek getting on for five years ago now one autumn day a transport arrived with provisions in charge of an officer a young man of about twenty-five he reported himself to me in full uniform and announced that he had been ordered to remain in the fortress with me he was so very elegant his complexion so nice and white his uniform so brand new that i immediately guessed that he had not been long with our army in the caucasus i suppose you have been transferred from russia i asked exactly captain he answered i took him by the hand and said i'm delighted to see you delighted it will be a bit dull for you but there we will live together like a couple of friends but please call me simply maxim maximitch and tell me what is this full uniform for just wear your forage cap whenever you come to me quarters were assigned to him and he settled down in the fortress what was his name i asked maxim maximitch his name was grigory alexandrovitch pechorin he was a splendid fellow i can assure you but a little peculiar why to give you an instance one time he would stay out hunting the whole day in the rain and cold the others would all be frozen through and tired out but he wouldn't mind either cold or fatigue then another time he would be sitting in his own room and if there was a breath of wind he would declare that he had caught cold if the shutters rattled against the window he would start and turn pale yet i myself have seen him attack a boar single-handed often enough you couldn't drag a word out of him for hours together but then on the other hand sometimes when he started telling stories you would split your sides with laughing yes sir a very eccentric man and he must have been wealthy too what a lot of expensive trinkets he had did he stay there long with you i went on to ask yes about a year and for that very reason it was a memorable year to me he gave me a great deal of trouble but there let bygones be bygones you see it is true enough there are people like that fated from birth to have all sorts of strange things happening to them strange i exclaimed with an air of curiosity as i poured out some tea End of chapter two recording by expatriate in bangor maine